Good morning. Today's Bible reading is taken from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21. And I'm reading from the NIV version. Love in action. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will keep burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Thanks, Rosita. There's a lot in that passage, and we'll try and get through as much as we can, but there's a heap of stuff we can draw out of it. And as we think about uh, a community, being a community of care, we'll, we'll draw some thoughts through it. But I want to, be, before we get into that, I want to tell you a little bit about our night last night. We went into the city to see an old friend of ours. Um, and when I say an old friend, it's probably a little bit of a stretch to say it's an old friend because we went and saw Michael Bublé. Um, in, in, in his concert, which was really good. What a voice. Has anyone seen Michael Bublé in concert before? Yeah, it's so good, so good. Really great voice. Just this big band with him it was fantastic. What a performer. Um, it might look like Solari went and saw him and met him personally. Um, I know it looks a little that way. She didn't. That's just a cutout. But, but let, me, let me tell you about why I called Michael Bublé our friend. Let me tell you. It was a good night out last night, but we were celebrating an anniversary in the city, and, and we splashed out, and we went to the Grand Hyatt. If you haven't been to the Grand Hyatt, it's worth doing once in your life. It's amazing. Very suave. The breakfast is incredible. Like, just, they give you whatever you want, and we had a great time there. That was fantastic. But, but we had to get to the breakfast, and to get to the breakfast, we had to go down the lift. So the lift comes down, and the door opens, and there's some people in it already, and there's this guy. He looks quite famous. He looked famous. I thought, that's a famous person. He looked famous. <laughs> Didn't know who it was, but he looked famous. And of course, Solari already knew who it was. I've picked him for some sort of a rock star, I think. I think I picked him as like a rock star type person. It looks like a, a musician, rock star type person. But Solari knew it was Michael Bublé. And he did that sort of polite thing as you get in a lift. And you said, 
That's good. That's really nice. And we get in and we turn around and, and he's behind us and we're in front. And then all of a sudden, um, Michael, Michael Buble says hello. It's like, oh, wow. And Solari swishes around really quick. Hi, how are you going? Only to find out he's actually on the phone to his <laughs> wife. <laughs> Being the gentleman that Michael Bublé was, he put his wife on hold. Oh, sorry, so did you? Put his hand on Solari's shoulder and said, "I'm so sorry. I'm on the phone. But hello, it's lovely to <laughs> best friends. Best friends. <laughs> it was embarrassing. It was awesome." <laughs> Now, that's, that, that story has absolutely nothing to do with a community of care, sort of. Well, there was one song last night that he sung. Well, just about all his songs are about love in some sort of way, shape or form. Not the love that we're going to talk about this morning. Um, but he did sing a song about love and had this big thing. And I thought that's a really nice sort of image, love, um, that he had. And, and, and he... All the way through his concert, he would talk about different people that he, he, he'd love. I mean, he reminded us of how much he loved every single person, all 12,000 people in that auditorium last night. He loved us so much. He loved us. From the back to the front, he singled people out, I love you. And he just loved everyone. He loves his kids, obviously, and he loves his wife as well, but he loves everyone. Um, he loved, what was the fellow's name? I can't remember. The, Ollie. He loved Ollie the most. And Ollie, I thought Ollie was going to collapse at some stage because he just loved Ollie so much. But he just loved so many people. You know, it can be pretty easy to tell that his love for me, sitting 15, 20 rows back, wasn't quite the same as his love for his wife. It wasn't an authentic love, really. It was just paying a bit of lip service to me to make me feel good and like, Michael Bublé really loves me. <laughs> But we all felt that at times, haven't we? We've all felt that perhaps we've been in someone's sights of love but then didn't really feel that it was real. Perhaps we've been the culprit and that we've, we've shown someone some, a little bit of love when we could get something back but the reality is that it wasn't a real, genuine love. Maybe we've said, I'd love to catch up. And I'm guilty of this. And the time goes by and you just didn't find that time. And that other person's going, well, it would have been nice. It can be even more subtle than that. Maybe you've said, I'm praying for you. And you sort of reach out with that sense of love and care for someone. I'm praying for you. And you walk away and you never do. Maybe they'll never know that you didn't, but you know. Because authentic love shows it can sometimes be easy to pay lip service to the loving care of another rather than displaying an authentic, caring, loving relationship. So this, this week and next week, we're going to go on this little journey of being a community of care. How authentic care in Christ as a Christ-following community can have a massive and radical impact on not just the church, but the people around us as well. So as we think about what it looks like to be community of care, we'll start to see that, that, that programs can help us with care. Okay, can. But the great change will be when we all take a hold of the command to love one another in authentic, Christ-displaying ways, where care doesn't become a program, but care 
is a culture that fits in through the church. So this week we're going to explore a little bit of theology around care. And that's actually going to help us next week when we think about the practice of care, how we, how we practically outwork care in and through the church. In his book, A Caring Church by Howard W. Stone, he states that pastoral care is the task of the total Christian community, a task of ministering to each other and reaching out beyond ourselves. This task of care isn't set for one person or set out people. It's for all of us. So my hope is that as a church, each of us sees care that is pastoral as something that is for each and every single one of us as we reach beyond ourselves and care for those around us. As I've been processing and praying about how to share with you uh, the why behind the how, I suppose, um, uh, there's so many threads you could pull. There's so many scriptures you could go to for this. God is a caring God, so there's so much we can dig into. But the one thread I, I really felt compelled to pull and to, to draw upon is that, is that uh, from Romans 12, verse uh, 10, and it says this, Be devoted to one another in love. Be devoted to one another in love. But that's not all. Honour one another above yourselves. And so we're going to get into that in a little while. But today's whole reading urges us to be authentic when it comes to loving others. It urges us to. Paul's calling the church to love in a way that, that reflects Christ. And that is a love that we're commanded to show each other, regardless of who the other is. Scripture reminds us of the responsibility that we have to the one another. We're to love one another, to be devoted to one another, to accept one another, to instruct one another, to serve one another, to encourage one another, to confess our sins and pray for one another. The English term one another is, is, the only, is only one word in the Greek, in the New Testament Greek, and that's what it looks like. And so all those who can read Greek, that's really cool. If you can see the little brackets underneath, it's alelum, uh, alelum. And it's used, that word in the New Testament is used 100 times in 94 verses. It's used a lot. It's used a lot. One another is used a lot. Of those 94 verses, half of them, 47 of them, give instruction to followers of Jesus for how to treat the other. Unity and love become key themes uh, in these one another verses. And the verses that Rosita read for us this morning uh, hit the reality of both unity and love. Uh, writer um, and, and um, uh, researcher Sue Wallen Skinner, she studies in the, f- in the field of family systems theory. Uh, she writes this, The church exists to enable people to love, to be loved, and to make love known. This is a reason for ex- its existence and no other. To love, to be loved, and to make love known. If we're not being loved, or if we're not showing love to others and reminding people what authentic love looks like, then we actually miss the essence of who we are as a church. That's the essence of pastoral care, to authentically love one another. So, but what makes care pastoral? What makes it different to a care that a nurse shows in a nursing home or that someone shows when they help their neighbour out? As I've looked through this in the past few weeks, I'd say that pastoral care, as we are looking at it, is an act towards another in response to the act of care experienced through the grace of God in our own lives. 
As we experience God's good and perfect love, the ongoing action of grace in our lives, the response will be an overflow towards others. Pastoral care, therefore, should be a natural extension of who we are in Christ, reaching out beyond ourselves, as that first um, example said, and reaching into the lives of anyone that we encounter. Every interaction is an opportunity for care. And it's to this end that I would suggest that pastoral care, therefore, needs to be done by each and every single one of us who have received and experienced the grace of God in our own lives. It's something that we must do. We can't not do. If we look through the whole of Romans 12, we didn't read it all, but if we look through the whole of Romans 12, it sets the scene for this pastoral care sort of mandate. Firstly, we're called to get our eyes off self and onto God and become living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. You'll find that in verses 1 and 2. When our eyes are on ourselves, it's very hard to, to see the needs and to see the heart of others. By keeping our eyes on Christ, we actually are opening our, our eyes to see others as Christ sees. Verses 3 to 8 continue to remind us to keep our eyes off self by humbly recognising that we're part of a body. We're part of this bigger body called the church. And we play a part just as each and every single one of us play a part as well. We all have specific functions. So from the start of Romans chapter 12, before we got to our reading this morning, Paul's asking us to keep our eyes off ourselves and focus them firstly on God and then on the other. As we move through verse 9 onwards, we start to see how we can actually start to embody love as a means to serve and care for others, both in the church but also for people around us. So Paul tells us that love firstly must be sincere, that love must be about the other, and that love is the great reconciler. So let's dig into those three things. Firstly, love is, must be sincere. Verse 9 says it straight out. Love must be sincere. (laughs) Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Authenticity is key to the caring relationship. Genuine relationships, free from hypocrisy or pretense, are relationships that will reflect the love of Christ in us. I didn't really feel that from Michael Bublé last night, to me personally. Maybe maybe Ollie did, (laughs) but I didn't. But authenticity is key to it. To be authentic in relationship, however, requires us to be honest, open, and vulnerable to the other. As we become, we become vulnerable and open in authentic relationship, we actually inspire trust back, don't we? We take our relationships beyond the weekly, G'day, how you doing, as we head out the church door and into the foyer, to actually the question that's not just how you're doing, but how are you really doing? How's it really going for you? There's a difference, isn't it? It's how you going. Yeah, I'm all right. All right. It's been a good week. I struggled here, but it's all right. How are you really going? Yeah, it's been really tough. It, it, it gets past that veneer of that I'm, all is okay. Authentic relationships make us start to ask deeper questions of one another. How are you going inside? How are you going with your faith walk? How are you going with your relationship? How's your marriage going? How, how are you going with your viewing habits? How are you going with your anger? How are things going for you? 
A sincere, loving care for one another brings on that depth of relationship. And we can do that in one-to-ones. We can do that in a small group setting. It's hard to do it here because we won't want to open up to everyone. Hey, how you go? How you all doing? But next week we'll explore how we can actually help that a little bit further. So a sincere, a love must be sincere. The second thing is love is about the other. It's not all about me. Verse 10, which, uh, which I said made a key part in our exploration of um, pastoral care, it says this, Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Now this verse has the two parts in it, doesn't it? And they can't be split. You can't take one without the other. First we hear, be devoted to one another in love. We hear this deep commitment that perhaps has been called out in verse 9 where we've got to be vulnerable. If we're vulnerable, we're going to have a deep commitment to the other. It's a depth of relationship, more than just an acquaintance. But devotion can be easy when you're receiving something back from that devotion, can't it? I'll give of myself if you keep giving back to me. I'll be devoted to you if you continue to bring me chocolate or if you keep hanging out with me and and listen to my stories or if you laugh at the appropriate time when I tell a joke. It's easy to be devoted when you get something in return, isn't it? However, a Christ-honouring care moves beyond that devotion that's just from receiving Be devoted to one another, yes. But the second part must also happen. Honour one another above yourself. In this, that devotion that we're talking about must be based on just the other. We must be devoted to the other not for our own gain, not for the to be able to say, hey, this is my best mate or whatever. Rather, our devotion is based upon the other so that we may show care and love for them. As we formulate this understanding of our responsibility to care for the other, through these verses we see that care is not based on the caregiver at all. It's on how God can interact into the person needing care. Care that is pastoral in its nature is only care if the other can receive a blessing that comes from God through our love. It's an act towards the other, a response of care that is experienced through the grace of God in our lives. It becomes a natural extension of who I am. So through the grace of God, pastoral care starts to cultivate a nurturing environment for the flourishing of one another. That's the goal that we may flourish in our faith life, that we flourish in our, in our lives together. You know, there's this term koinonia. It's a Greek word that helps us to understand uh, a humble relationship. It's described as a close personal relationship and, and stems from the fact that God is not God alone. God is ultimately relational. Now, koinonia, it describes this intimacy that occurs within the Trinity, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each member of the Trinity, they keep their distinct identity, yet are completely one. The relationship forms this basis for our relationship with Jesus. See, Christ dwells in us, therefore makes us part of him, part of his body. He grants us freedom from sin through the Holy Spirit. He allows us to have communion with God. And koinonia is this key to to our, our deeper purpose in pastoral care that we might find deep intimacy with God, 
but also bring others into that deep intimacy with God as well. So saying this, it, it, it means we must find that devotion to God, devotion to one another, but recognising it's got nothing to do with me, putting the other above ourselves. It goes hand in hand with verse 13 as well. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. If our eyes are not on ourselves, if we're considering the other before ourselves, it should therefore outpour into generosity and blessing on the other. Have you ever found that people who are in the greatest need are sometimes the people who will not speak up and say it? It's pretty common. It might be a bit Aussie as well. It might be a bit of an Aussie thing. I won't tell my my problems to anyone because I'll be able to, I'll be right. She'll be right, mate. We've got to be aware of that. We've got to develop devoted relationships that seek to dig deep into the lives of one another. So love isn't about me. It's about the other. The third thing that we'll find is that love reconciles relationships. So if our love for the other is to be authentic, if it's to be about the other based on God's love for me, seeking to serve the other, then love cannot discriminate. You see, it's easy to love those who show you love and respect, isn't it? It's easy to love those who might look like you, dress like you, sound like you, those who you're able to laugh with easily, people you generally want to be with. It's easy to do. But Paul moves away, so he jumps the line of that comfortability, doesn't he, on the basis of verse 14. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. It'd be great if he just took that little bit out because the rest of it sort of flows really well, but he adds it in there. He adds it in there because love doesn't discriminate. The rest of the chapter is devoted to how we can act towards others who, who maybe haven't done things the same way that we have. He says, don't repay evil with evil. He says, live at peace with everyone, which intimates that it's not easy to live at peace with everyone. <laughs> he says, don't take revenge. He says, don't overcome evil by, um, by evil. Overcome evil with good. To call to, the call to love goes to a, a, another level here. It takes the love and care that we see in others, uh, from the love and care for others, and it moves us into a Christian love and care. It's not hard. It's hard. Sorry. It's hard to not uh, to not persecute another when you're being persecuted. The last thing you really want to do is bless them, because it's hard not to spread gossip about someone who's rubbed you up the wrong way. It's not hard to spread a rumor about someone who's said something to you wrong. It's not hard to put them down, to make them feel lower. But how hard is it to bless them? That's a tough thing. It's really hard. But that's what we're called to do. Jesus says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you in Luke 6. Since Easter, if you've been with us over that time, we've been looking at God's bigger story and finding again and again that God's bigger story is that God will do anything possible to reconcile his people back to himself. Regardless of how often they stray or we stray or I stray, God continues to rescue, to reconcile people back to himself and ultimately ending up in Christ. And in these loving relationships of people who persecute you, in loving your enemies, you're actually providing the opportunity to reconcile relationship, bringing relationship back together. It's a key part for caring for one another. 
Maybe there's a relationship that you need to reconcile this morning. Maybe it's been a long-term hardship. Maybe it's been a a relationship that, that you haven't spoken to someone for a long time because something happened. Maybe it's recent. Maybe it happened this morning trying to get out of the house. <laughs> Love reconciles relationship. Bless those who persecute you. As we wrap this up, we've looked at the need for the church to be caring for each other. Next week, we're going to look at some practical ways we do that in a way that we, can all, we all are involved in. We all have to be involved in this. Not only those who are on a pastoral care team or not, not just a pastoral team at church, we all are involved in it. Pastoral care is more than just a program. It's got to become our culture. It's got to be who we are, a culture that looks beyond ourselves, shows sincere love, and is devoted to one another. Perhaps one of the best Bible stories um, that Jesus shared, or the stories that Jesus shared that sums this up, is, is Jesus talking about the Good Samaritan. We know the story pretty well. I'm not going to go through it all. But I was listening to a podcast. It's my favourite podcast at the moment. It's called Revisionist History. Has anyone heard of Revisionist History? No. Have a look at it. It's worthwhile. It's by a guy called Malcolm Gladwell. He takes things of the past and he rearranges it so that it helps us to understand them in a new light. Really good podcast. It's not, a, not specifically a Christian podcast, but it's a really good podcast. But anyway, this, this episode was looking at the Jesuits. And the Jesuits have a very unique way of solving problems, worth having a listen to. He was talking to this Jesuit priest, and the priest talked about this story of the Good Samaritan. And he talked about the opportunity the priest and the Levite had as they walked past this man who had been robbed and he'd been beaten up. And as he walked past this man, they just looked at him and just kept going. They crossed the street and kept going. They had their reasons to. And in it, he said, the, the priest said, the, 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 the um, Jesuit priest said, they had an opportunity to do something, and they didn't. And in that, he called out their sin. He said it was, we sort of might call it a sin of omission, but he said um, not acting in care to the person in need was a sin. The podcast said that the priest and the Levite sinned because they failed to bother to love. They failed to bother to love. Loving is a choice that we make. And they failed to do it in that story. He said that sin was not where people are weak yet trying. Rather, sin was where people are strong and not bothering. Let me read that again. It's on the screen. Sin is not where people are weak yet trying. Sin is where people are strong yet not bothering. The priest and the Levite that walked past the the Good Samaritan could have stopped. They could have done something about it. Their laws told them they shouldn't, but they they were strong. They just didn't bother. They failed to bother to love. As we seek to be a caring community, we need to be a people who bother to love, who see a situation that needs a touch of our care and doesn't omit to act. That can be hard. That can be confronting. The crew that go on a Wednesday night see it every week. Next week we'll explore how we can actually do that in practical ways. How we can care for one another on a practical level through the church. But this week I want to challenge you that when you're out at work, when you're at school or sitting in a cafe or in your, in your homes, wherever you might be, I want you to stop and look around at the people around you. The people nearby 
the people that you sit near on the bus. I don't want you to do it in any sort of weird way, just sort of... <laughs> don't, 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 don't do that. It's like, who told you to do that? Oh, pastor at church. Yeah, great. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> but I want you to consider the people around you. I want you to pray for them. And I want you to ask God to give you some insight into maybe where they're at. Maybe that you can see some empathy that might be needed there. Maybe you notice a, a, a little flinch in someone or a sadness in their eye. And then continue to be alert to those who are around you. And then don't omit to care. Don't, what was the words? Don't fail to bother to love. It's a big, I mean, some of us are very introverted and we don't want to speak out. So it's a big thing, I understand that. But my heart for you is that you might see a need that you may be able to care for. So if you sense an opportunity to bless someone, or if you listen to someone that needs some care, don't fail to bother to love this week. Because what was the final words in the parable of the Good Samaritan? The, 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 um, Jesus asked, which of, you, um, which of these do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the, the people's response was, well, the one who had mercy on him. The one who had mercy on him. They got the answer right. And Jesus didn't say, well done, you got the answer right. There's a tick, you got full marks. What did Jesus say? Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. So this week... Go and do likewise. Don't forget to bother to love. Be a community of care. Respond to the blessing of God in your life. I'll invite the band forward as I pray. Our Lord and God, I give you thanks that we have experienced your love, your love that in the depths of who we are, your love that, that, that seeps into the, the our very depths of our being, that, Lord, as we, as we understand it more, overflows into who we are. May we see that overflow of your love in the lives of others, that they may experience the same care and love that we have seen through you. Lord, may we become a community of care. Amen. Amen.